Thanks, uh, and the band as well. Just want to mention a couple of things before we turn to God's word. Um, tonight, uh, Keith Mitten is going to be speaking at our uh, uh, Sunday at six uh, evening service, and uh, we're in the second of the new series that we're doing. And it's based on Colossians 4, 6, that you might know how you might answer. And uh, the aim of the series is, is to help us answer some of the tricky questions that sometimes we can be asked or even that come up in our own mind. Um, often brought, maybe brought up by a non-Christian. So the idea is whoever's speaking isn't just to sort of do a Bible study on the subject, but to actually help us to answer these questions. And uh, so tonight, Keith's going to be looking at where is God in all this suffering? Uh, that's a good question. We might ask ourselves that sometimes. Maybe someone we know are going through that, or ourselves, um, or in the world as Anwin's been praying. So come tonight if you're able to. That's half, uh, six o'clock, sorry, six o'clock tonight. I just want to take a moment as well to mention this course. It's called the Friendship First Course. There's a bit of a, um, a notice in the bulletin. I'm sort of being leading up to this, publicizing it. It's a six-week course to help us understand what Muslims believe and uh, those who come from a Muslim background. And it's something that I, I really felt God some while back talk, speaking to me about and really sensed that we should do this as a church together as best we can. And, and by that, uh, it means I've asked all the growth groups to be doing this um, at some stage in October, starting in, in October. And some of them are going to do it in their own groups, and some of them are going to join together in a central one that we're going to be running. And I want to invite everybody to come to that central one who doesn't go to a growth group. And the reasons for that, why we're going to do it, is this. We live in a multicultural city. You know that, don't you? It's, it's, did you know, it's, as far as I know, it's 25% Muslim, our, this city of Bradford. I love this city. I love the, 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 the richness, the variety. Some people look at it negatively. I think it's great. And it's my home city. I, lo I love the city. And on top of that number of Muslim people in the city, God is bringing those from other countries in re as refugees and asylum seekers uh, from Muslim backgrounds. God's called us as a church to be here and to be Christ-like and, and uh, we're part of the wider church. And the verse which st stuck six in my mind is Jesus said, lift up your eyes there for the, on the fields for they are white ready to harvest. He was talking about the harvest of people. Which says that in every generation, there are people who long to hear, who need to hear, and who want to come to Christ. But to be honest, and if I'm realistic, I find that most of us, and I include myself here, for most of us, there is an enormous gap between what we believe in our minds and what we believe in our hearts when it comes to Muslims coming to Christ in this city. An enormous gap. We know that Jesus is the answer. We believe that the gospel will change lives. But how 
expectant are we that our Muslim friends, neighbours, colleagues, people who come to Hope House, people who come even into our church to see, how, much, how expectant are we that they will actually come to Christ? Really? And there's an enormous gap between believing that God can use me to help that person come to Christ and actually expecting God to use me to help a Muslim believer in Islam to come to Christ. This course will help to bridge that gap for all who do it. And my prayer is, at the very least, it will give us a prayer burden for Muslims in this city. God has called us to be a house of prayer for all nations. That's why I want us all to do this, young and old, right through the church. And it will, at the very least, it will give us a bigger burden. We'll, we'll hear inspiring testimonies of those who've come from total, really in-depth Muslim beliefs. And, and the, the, the DVDs give wonderful testimonies of that. And uh, at the very least as well, it'll give you a greater burden to pray for yourself, that God will actually use you and give you a greater love, a mere love, greater love, and a greater love that will overcome my negativity towards any areas of Islam or Muslim people. And we all, I'm sure I all have things which we think, oh, I'm not sure about, you know, we see things happening. And, and there are negative things in our minds, maybe about people in the area or different things that we see. And the love of Christ has got to overcome that. And then it will help us as well to be more confident actually in talking to somebody, just being a friend of, a, of somebody who's a Muslim, asking them what they believe. Just finding out. It says, this is, those who've done this course or produced it, it says, this is a course to equip each of us with vision, confidence, skill and resources to make friends with Muslim people and witness for Christ. Friendship says, the more inadequate or ill-equipped group members feel, the better. Friendship first starts where they are and helps them on a journey to a place where they can witness to Muslims and build friendships with them. So I've asked the growth groups, they're all going to do it, and, and some are going to do it in their own groups, some are going to join the central group on a Tuesday, it's starting in October, and I'd like to invite you all to join up, to join with that. Um, if there's enough, I might do it on, a, on an after Tuesday afternoon, but I'm thinking of all, but doing it, definitely doing it Tuesday evening, but if there's enough who want to do it in an afternoon, I'll do it on an afternoon as well. On the 22nd of October, we have Steve Bell coming. Steve Bell is sort of, he's featured in this all the way through. He's the national director of InterServe who've produced this. And he's coming on the Sunday 22nd of October to launch it, to preach and to launch it, help, help us launch this. And then on October 24th, we're going to start this course. So I'll, I'll bring more details to that. And next, next week, because we need to know how many are going to be on it, because there is a manual. The manual, or the member's handbook, costs £5. It's a lot of money, I know, but it's really, really invaluable for the course. Um, so if you can put your names down for that, that would be great. If you have problems with you know, the cost, then have a word with me, and we'll sort something out. So there'll be a, a sign-up sheet, so we can know numbers uh, next week and then the following Sunday. So thanks.
for listening for that. Let's, let's turn, shall we, to the Bible. And we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. I'm going to read from verse 20. Ephesians 4, verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, Putting away lying, each one speak truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labour, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Let's pray. And so, our Heavenly Father, we turn to you now. We say, Lord, that we're dependent upon you, you, upon your Holy Spirit, to help us to understand your word, to see spiritual truths. Lord, would you come and help each one of us, we pray. Help me as I bring these thoughts that you've laid on my heart in my preparation. Help me to be faithful to your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give us those hearts that are ready to respond to all that you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have actually done headings, and you've got this in your bulletin that you came out. I've done this just today because I'm not sure how far we'll get today with some of the things I wanted to say. It's not a quiz, by the way, this. Um, but you're welcome to fill it in as I go on. If you fill it in before and you get it right, I'll give you nothing. So, so off with the old and on with the new. That's the title, part two, because part one was last week. Uh, we were introduced to this concept of putting off and putting on just that verse, chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created to God in righteousness and true holiness. We're to put off clothes, the clothes of our old sinful life, and we're to put on the new, the new clothes of righteousness and holiness, verse 24. 
Putting off and putting on has nothing to do with changing our personality. That, that will stay the same. Basically the same. It's rather to do with our character. Our, our behaviour. We're called to put off our old way of living. Our old habits, if you like. Our sinful habits. Our old behaviour. Our way of thinking. The, 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 that which belongs to our old sinful self. And it's not just a case of putting off, that's the negative, we're also to put on in its place the new, the clean things which are of Christ. So, for example, it's not just a case of you know, stopping being envious or covetous of someone's circumstances or lifestyle or even partner, but of being thankful to God for our circumstances for our job, for our lifestyle, and for our partner. It's not just putting off, it's putting on something new. Putting on Christ-like character. And, and I was thinking, it's, it's really the fulfillment of what Paul was praying in that lovely prayer in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3, where he says that Christ might be formed in you. It's a lovely thought, isn't it? That Jesus, his character might be formed in me, in you, in all of his fullness, in all of his Christ-likeness. And, and this, this process of, of change, of becoming more like Christ, that begins the moment we turn to Jesus. That, that begins the moment God's Spirit comes into our lives and we're born again. I'm sure you know this, but that very moment you put your trust in Christ and you become a new creation... God actually gives you the gift of Christ's righteousness. God counts the beautiful holiness of Jesus, his son, as belonging to you. So in your standing before God, that very moment you turn to Jesus, that very moment God declares that you are holy in his sight. The word, the, the scriptural word is impute. He, he reckons what was Christ to be to your account, to you. So, as you stand now, or as you sit, <laughs> you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ, as God sees you. So if you die tonight, there's nothing to your account as you stand before God. The, the judgment's been passed. You are actually as holy as Jesus. As you stand. But. From that time onwards. When you become a, a, a believer in Jesus. That's the moment. The Holy Spirit then begins to change you. From within. So that your standing. Your experience begins to match your standing. So that the outworking of it, my, the outworking of the, that in my life begins, starts to match up to how, I, how he sees me in Christ. And that process is sanctification. That's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. I was reading in uh, Richard Cokin's commentary on this, and he gives a really helpful illustration, which I've just adapted a bit. But just imagine a wedding to which you are invited. But it's a wedding of someone whose status and wealth 
is far beyond anything that you'd ever aspire to even. And the condition for attending the wedding is that you have to wear a particular wedding-type suit or a wedding-type dress that costs, let's say, a million pounds. And unless you have that, unless you're wearing that, you cannot get to the wedding. Imagine that with the invitation there comes a box. And in the box there is that very same dress or suit for you to wear. And it's a perfect fit. And there's a note with it which says, this is yours forever. Now in some ways that's a picture of what God's done for us. You know, the wedding is God's kingdom. If you like, it's God's family. The condition for being part of that family is perfect holiness. You know, the holiness of Christ. Something you can't buy, you can't afford, you'll never be able to attain it. But God in his love has provided that. Free of charge to you and me. But he's paid a great cost. The cost of his son. So we have access into the, the wedding, if you like, the kingdom of God, the family of God. But having acquired that expensive suit or dress, I wouldn't want to wear it over my old clothes. You know, I, I wouldn't want to wear it over my old filthy jeans or old gardening clothes or old cast-offs that I've put in the old bin. You know, to do that would be to devalue the suit or the dress that I've been generously giving. I'd, I'd want to take off the old dirty clothes. And, and so it is with us as Christians. God, God accepts us permanently because of Christ's righteousness. But he doesn't want us to carry on sinning. As if nothing's happened. You know, God's made us a new creation. He's, he's created everything new. And so there's got to be a difference. There's got to be a difference in how we live. We've been chosen by God to be holy. We've been saved to live a new life, a holy life. He's called us to be his light in this world. So we should make every effort to cast off the old, the old clothing of our old life. It's dirty, it's smelly. It belongs to the rotten part of our sinful nature. The old things. And we're to put on the new. So what does it mean? What does it mean to actually put off? And what does it mean to put on? Well, Paul, ever the practical man, spells it out in, in a wonderful way, very, very practically, in these verses. Verses 25 to 30, and then he carries, or 32 in fact, and then he carries on into the next chapter as well. It's primarily to do with our relationships, how we, how we relate to each other, how we interrelate, interconnect with each other, and how we be, behave towards one another, and how that affects each other. So first of all, verse 25, we, are, we need to put off lying and put on the truth. We need to put off lying and put on the truth. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, each one speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. We're to put off lying, 
put on truth. I think that, that last phrase there, we, we're members of one another, shows that Paul's actually, he, he's concentrating or he's thinking in his mind of our relationships with each other, primarily, in the church. The word for lying is the Greek word pseudos, P-S-E-U-D-O-S in our sort of ang in anglicized way, which means false or fake. Put off fakeness. Put off false. That, that word pseudos is coming to our language, isn't it? It's pseudo, pseudonym. You know, you write, a, a, um, a writer would write under a pseudonym, a false name, if you like. Uh, pseudo, I don't know, pseudo, a pseudo Georgian mantelpiece if you have a Georgian man, please. It's a fake, all right? Something like that. So it's, it's part of it. We, we know what it means. We're to put off anything that's pretense, false, bogus, phony, anything what you like. We, we're to put that off. Anything that's dishonest, lying, untruthfulness. Because that's part of the old sinful life. If you just turn to Colossians, he, he sort of, it's a parallel Scripture, Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do, do not lie to one another. Simple, do not lie to one another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created you. So we're to put off lying. Have done with it. Have nothing to do with it. Put it right away from you. The, the devil is the father of lies, isn't he? The Bible calls, I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. So it's not, we, we should expect there to be lying. In fact, this world is, is awash with lies. It is, more and more, there is lying, which is sort of, it's part of the web, web and woof, is that right? The, is, that, is it web and woof? No, wharf and woof, something like that, it's, it's integrated, all right? It's part of, the, of society, it's part, lying is there. Just for one week, imagine that everyone in our society couldn't tell a lie. And had to tell the truth. Just imagine that. Society would collapse. Uh, how, has anybody seen the film Liar Liar? Jim Carrey, yeah, some of you. It's an old, it must be 20 years old now. But in it, Jim, Jim Carrey, he's, he's, a, he's a, a lawyer representing clients. And he's, got, and he's always exaggerating. He's always making promises he didn't fulfill. He's always having to lie and he does lie. He, he can't stop it. And then his son makes a birthday wish that just for one day, his dad would tell the truth. And I don't know how it happens, but it happens. So one day, Jim Carrey, he cannot tell a lie. And his whole world collapses. It's, it's, it's really good. I, I enjoy the film, <laughs> as you can see. Um, but can you imagine that in our, in our society? You know, if for one week... Nobody could tell a lie. You know, our prisons would suddenly, wouldn't be able to cope with all of the confessions. People saying, we've got this wrong, we've got that wrong. You know, they'd have to tell the truth. Millions of pounds taxes would be returned. <laughs> Benefits would be returned. And what about our politicians? 
they, they wouldn't be able to talk, would they? You know? <laughs> and newspapers with headlines and fake news and false reporting. What about the world of advertising? What about those special offers? What about those cons? You know the emails you get? You know, you have been specially chosen to find this iPad, you know, along with a million others that are trying to con, you know? What about football managers? They'd never be interviewed because they'd have to tell the truth about who they've picked and who they haven't picked. Salesmen, secretaries won't be able to cover for their boss, you know? Marriages, whoa, relationships. Husbands and wives would have to be honest about what they've said and what they haven't said and what they've done. But, you know, when you think about it, lies and dishonesty, they're actually part and parcel of, of life today in so many areas. And we are called to be different. Because Christ lives within us. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. We have to be different. And there's blatant lies. We know that. I, I hope you would never tell a blatant lie. What about exaggeration? You exaggerate things? Yeah, I do. Probably to make a point, to impress, or whatever. There's all sorts of ways. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to be honest, to own up to a mistake. I hate that. <laughs> I hate it when I've got many mistakes and, and, and people know about it and, and, I, and I know that I need to own up to that. But it's hard. But if I don't, then actually I'm, I'm lying. I'm not being truthful. Sometimes we say, no, I've been praying for you. Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. Well, it's, tr it's untruthful. And if I say I'm going to pray for you, and if I say I'm going to pray for you, I need to pray for you. Otherwise I'm lying. Not keep, I'm not reliable. I think it's a good habit if I, when I say that to pray immediately. You know, so I don't forget. If we say we're going to do something, we need to do it. We're breaking our word. But it's in the small things. They're just as important as the big things. And so I'm glad the Apostle Paul is, is realistic enough to say that we Christians struggle with this. So he says, do not lie. Simple as that. Don't put on pretense. Don't be false. Because that, you know, falseness and, and lies and lack of truth undermines trust. And we are to be a community of trust. We're to be a fellowship and friendship is built on trust. We've got to be able to trust each other. So let's put off lying. Let's have done with it. Let's die to the need to lie. Shall I go on to that? Yeah. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so put, put off anger. Sorry, put off lying. Put on truth. Secondly, put off anger and put on self-control. Chapter 4, verse 26, 27. Put off anger and put on self-control. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And then in verse 31, he expands on that. Let all bitterness, wrath, 
anger, clamour, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The word in that, in that uh, verse 31, there are two words there, wrath and anger. Wrath or NIV says rage. That refers to the initial reaction. You know, the outburst of anger. We talk about, in terms of red, don't we? He saw red, you know, or the red mist descended or something like that. In other words, it's, it's the explosion of anger. That second word, translated as anger in the New King James, that refers to the settled attitude. That maintaining of the feeling of anger. And the word is, let all wrath, the outburst, and anger, the settled attitude be put away both the reactions and the moods that come with anger we're to put off and we're to put on self-control so Holy Spirit is a spirit of self-control that's his fruit isn't it now you might not be the sort of person to lose your temper easily it's a personality thing isn't it often you know some of us are just not made that way but some of us bottle it up some of us hide it well and others just explode right? so we're all different but I would say we all know what it means to be irritable and touchy you know, moody hard to get on with you know it's the old story of the marriage counsellor Counselling the husband and the wife, asking the wife, so did you wake up grumpy this morning? She said, no, I let him sleep on. You know, grumpiness and irritability, sullenness, oversensitivity, easily offended, ready to take offence. They're all related to the anger family. And they're just as much out of character for me as my Christian walk. And you as well. They don't belong to the nature of Christ. And with God's grace and through his power, we need to put those things off, deal with them. Can't do it in my own strength, but God can help me. You know, Paul had to deal with that, didn't he? With, uh, in, in the Philippian church, with two people who had fallen out. Remember their names? Euodius and Sintishi. They're in Philippians 4. I implore Euodia and I implore Sintishi to be of the same mind. Two women, they were fellow workers. These were men and women, sorry, women who were, who were actually spiritual women. And, and they were working for God, but something, they'd probably said words with each other, one had got defended and, and there was a rift. Someone's renamed them, Odious and Suntouchi. But anger and irritability... It gets us into trouble. Henry Ward Beecher, a 19th century preacher, said, when you, sorry, speak when you are angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. And Paul gives some good advice, doesn't he? Chapter 4, verse 26, at the end, he says, Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. In other words, don't nurse your anger. Don't nurse it. Watch, watch it. Guard it. Don't let the embers smolder on. Don't let your anger degenerate into some kind of resentment and bitterness or moodiness. 
as far as you know, sort things out. That's especially, of course, with husband and wife, isn't it? Don't let, you know, before you go to bed, make sure you say sorry, sorry, sorry. That, that was wrong. Or any relationship, don't let the sun go down. If you know there's something between you, don't give the devil a foothold. I think I'll skip one or two things I was going to say there. I'll go on to the next point. So thirdly, verse 28, put off taking and put on giving. Put off taking. You could put, put off just taking, if you like, because there is a way in which we should take, but put off just taking, maybe, and put on giving. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need don't steal don't be dishonest work hard so that you've got something to give you know God is a generous God isn't he he lives within us we should be givers we should be givers. That'll be evidence in, in how we live, how, how we use our money. You know, we get, obviously to live, but also so that we can give and give to others. We should be like Robin Hood, really, you know, taking so that we give, but without the stealing part and without the killing bit. So we, we should be givers, not just takers. Put off the old clothes of the sinful life. So, in, and that really means, if we, if we sort of expand that, it means don't always be thinking, well, what can I get out of this? Just, you know, we, it's good to come to church. Well, sometimes we need to get something out of it, don't we? We need to receive. Don't just be a receiver, a taker. Come with, well, what can I give today as well? If, it, if we're always thinking, what's this going to do for me how does this affect me and my needs? If that's the dominant thought, then I am a taker. If, this is, if, it's, if that's my thought, and it's just sort of, what am I going to receive? Then that's part of an old attitude. We need to have that new attitude. Put on. You know, grace. The word grace, charis, in the Greek, is gift. It just means gift. We've received grace freely as a gift, so let's give. Let's be givers, not just takers. And then another one, number four, verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So this next one is put off pulling down, put on building up. Put off pulling down, put on building up. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking. All right? Clamor and evil speaking. The NIV has, what's it? Let's see, bra brawling and slander. So put off brawling and slander. Bra the first word there has to do with airing grievances in a public way. Sort of airing grievance in an open, critical way, among others. 
Whereas the second term, evil speaking or slander, refers to the same thing but done in quiet. So one is speaking wrong of people in an open way and one is speaking wrong in, of people in a closed way, a quiet way. However it's done, it's still airing grievances about someone or something. And it says, let no corrupt communication, verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. And the word corrupt there is the word, same word as rotten. You know rotten fruit, rotten vegetables? Anything rotten is worthless. Anything rotten is, is offensive, it smells, you don't want to go near it, you don't want to, never mind, eat it. And so we're to, we're, we have to put off anything that's rotten out of our mouths. You know, those, anything that's crude, any, anything that's sort of offensive, dirty stories, off-color jokes, that sort of thing, profanity certainly, no place in, in, in the Christian's life, for anything that, that smacks of that. We're to get rid of that. We're to put on Christ. We're to watch out for our gossiping. You know, gossiping is just, it's what he's speaking about primarily there. It's passing on information about somebody, especially criticizing someone to another person. That's, that's, that's grieving the spirit. That, that is something which is like rotten fruit because it's infecting the person who you're talking to and it's also affecting the person who's been talked about their, their reputation is being solid so we are to put off anything that's rotten communication that's rotten we must not gossip we mustn't just talk about people in a critical negative way with others we have to so watch out guard that and we have to be careful how we speak Positively, put on, put on words which actually build up, build up and ed edify. And lastly, and because of time, I'm just going to give you the heading and one, one well, let's give it, I'll give an illustration. Fourthly, verse 32, put off unforgiveness and put on forgiveness. Put off unforgiveness. Verse 32 and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. We're to forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. A man called General Oglethorpe once boasted to John Wesley, I never forgive. And John Wesley replied, I hope then, sir, that you never sin." Forgive my trespasses as you forgive me, as I forgive others. Lastly, this is an illustration. Anna Christensen, she was speaking at a meeting in Western China on the text, Take Away the Stone. And her theme was removing hindrances, removing problems that would stop blessing. And in the congregation, there was a missionary who was longing for God, wanted more of God, but she recognized that her ministry was greatly lacking. And after the meeting, this missionary asked if she could speak with Anna Christensen for a few minutes. 
And so she did. And this is what happened the following meeting, the following night. She stood up and with tears running down her face, she gave a testimony. She said, yesterday, God spoke to me about a stone in my life that hindered. About two years ago, I said something which I know offended another missionary. I didn't mean to do so, but it happened. And the Holy Spirit has reminded me again and again that I should write to her and apologize. But it's never been done. But today, that letter will be written. Because I want to take that stone away. That's why it's important to be a forgiver. Not to allow things to come in that would hinder my, your walk with God. Put off lying, put on truth. Put off anger, put on self-control. Put off being a, just a taker, and put on being a giver. Put off pulling down and put on building up. Put off unforgiveness and put on Forgiveness. You can't get more practical than that, can you, about what it means. This is living it out. It's all relational. Uh, it is, it's not primarily talking about our relationship with God, but it, of course it, it is. Because you do that, get that right, and then you can walk with God in a good way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word this morning, from your word. Thank you that it's so practical. And thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who applies that word to our hearts. And Lord, we may have been convicted this morning because of the way that we've spoken to others. Maybe to the ones we love the most, maybe our family, our husband, our wife, our children our friends or our brothers and sisters in Christ. It might be, Lord, that we've spoken critically to somebody or about somebody behind someone's back. Maybe, Lord, we've just passed on some sort of juicy information because we wanted to be known as someone who's in the know. We've gossiped. Not some of us may have spoken just in a way that hurts people. Or we've held on to hurts and not forgiven. Lord, we've all fought this battle with anger and irritability and with getting annoyed. And so, Father God, we come to you now and we ask that you would forgive us. We confess our sin to you and ask that you would forgive us. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to have that victory in every part of our lives. Think of that old song, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And Lord, I need to know your grace. I need to know your help. I need to know your forgiveness. And I need to know your power to put on, having put off. So Lord, Help us, we pray, to have Christ in our hearts, formed day by day by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to live more worthily for you. 
because you love us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I think because of time, we'll finish there. And uh, just thank you. If anybody wants to talk about anything, do about that. Have a word with me, please.